Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. You're listening to Bill Arnold's Encore presentation, Faith, Hope, and Clarity in a special repeat performance. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Uh, We are going to have a fantastic hour today because Girl Talk is just around the corner of the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable. My guests in studio, of course, are Rosie Browson, Teresa Carlson, and Mary Brown. So they're going to be the power panel that are going to be coming on the program in just a few minutes. So I'm looking forward to that. If you have any questions you'd like to sneak into the conversation, let us know what they are. You can text me at 877-933-2484. Again, that number is 877-933-2484. The Power Panel have many things in common today. You're going to be surprised at all the similarities they have. And I've got some doozy of some questions for them. So trust me, it's going to be a great hour. And I am going to Um, take a short break in just a minute, but I want to read a passage from Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. It says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So we're going to take a little break. When we come back, the power panel are in studio, and we're going to be underway with the beautiful and amazing Queens of the Roundtable. Be right back. glad you're tuned in to Faith Radio. If you're a new listener, we encourage you to go to MyFaithRadio.com and click on the link that says Get Your Welcome Packet. When you fill in your contact information there, we'll send you a free Faith Radio Welcome Packet with program descriptions, show host biographies, and information on how you can stay connected to current events and promotions. Ask for your free Faith Radio Welcome Packet today at MyFaithRadio.com and welcome to Faith Radio. Connecting faith to life. Faith Radio. The way in which he showers his love upon people is not a little trickle spurting out now and then, but he has poured out his love. He has showered his love upon us in order that we might shower his love upon those who seem the most unlikely and undeserving recipients of it. Show me how to spend a life. Each day, together, growing in our faith. Faith Radio. All I want to do is praise your name From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same You are my God and all You're listening to Bill Arnold's Encore presentation Faith, Hope, and Clarity in a special repeat performance I never like cutting into that song. I love that song. I love it. Oh, my yeah. gosh. You know okay. who that is? We're on, I, by the way. Thank you. I didn't, no, I didn't yeah. know that, Bill. There should be a little bit more decorum here, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Whatever. I was bebopping to that song. Yeah. So who does play it? Uh, go fish. Let's oh, go fish. Oh, they're my boys' favorite when they were that, growing up. That's what I figured you moms might know, go fish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome uh, to the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable. We've got uh, the power panel today is um, made up of Mary Brown, who's the vice president of marketing at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. She's the mother of three, a son and two daughters. Mary, welcome. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. Thank you so much. And uh, Teresa Carlson, business relations manager right here at KTIS, and a mom to three daughters. 
I Teresa. Am. And those two granddaughters. Mm, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, Rosie. Nice to have you back. You are the, the one of the key players of the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable. And I am honored for that. Yeah, and you're Thank the director you. of media advancement here at KTIS and mom to two sons. Yes, and I'm not a grandma yet. And you're not. You're queen of the queens, though. Oh, I yeah. like that. Do I get a double tear off for yeah, that? Exactly. That would be okay. <laughs> you got more bling going. Yeah, so I got a bunch of questions for you, but can I start with the softball? Why do girls go to, to, to the bathroom in groups? What's with that? Okay, so is do you guys really notice that, though? Oh, are we you really... kidding? <laughs> it's like you announce it. Who wants to go to the bathroom? And you I all know. get up and leave. Okay, What's so with that? I, can, real? I, I can only talk for myself, but usually it's let's go talk about our outfits, our shoes, you know. <laughs> Did you see that le- latest movie? I don't know. That's usually what I'm talking about with my girlfriends. Um, mine is so I can get back to the table. And I know where it is. Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I do that. Okay, good. I, I think I maybe did in my 20s. And yeah. probably because I was checking somebody out somewhere, I had, was worried about something <laughs> I was wearing. But as I've gotten older, I've become much more self-assured and more going back to myself. Yes. That's great. Well, I'm, I'm relieved. All right, let's uh, talk about uh, what you have in common. Let's start with um, you all have family in the military. We do. We do. What is that? Well, we had so much fun. We got together before today and just talked about what we have in common and who we are as friends. And we did realize that we're all three women at different levels have um, people in our lives and our immediate family as well as extended family that are in the military. I'm the newest with a son joining um, the Navy ROTC and he'll go to his boot camp on uh, July 23rd. So wow. everybody out there, p- please pray for him. His name is Alex. And pray for you. And pray for, yeah. pray for mm-hmm. me. It's an adjustment. It it's is. Hard. And then you guys tell your stories. Yeah. So um, I'm honored and blessed to have a son-in-law who's in the Air Force and he's a captain. He's just put his papers in to be um, a, now I just forgot, major. Major. Mm-hmm. Yeah, major. And um, just so proud, so proud of his service. Yeah, and my son is in the Air Force also, and he's a captain serving in Afghanistan right now. So he's on his very first deployment, and I'm dealing with that, the ups and downs of that daily, weekly, hourly, a lot of prayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mary, yeah. Mary, what time is it in Afghanistan right now? Nine hours ahead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make nine. me do the math. <laughs> nine hours. I won't. I won't. <laughs> and uh, you all have uh, passed the 50-year-old mark. Right? Some of us are closer to 50. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but we don't I need to go there. We're all yeah. in our 50s. No, I get it. You're all, you all have adult children. Um, man, I find this interesting. You all have experience in the area and the arena of addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Probably both personally and professionally, but who doesn't anymore? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, I used to, when I talked about work, I used to tell people, when you know somebody who needs help, let us know. We'd like to help them. Now I tell them if, you know, if and when, because everybody knows right. somebody who's struggling with addiction, it touches every single one of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you start talking about it to someone and you don't even know where they're at in their story or in their life, and they start, they start to nod, mm-hmm. I know, I know what you mean. Um, it just hits everybody. It does. And I think what I love about where um, the enlightenment on the arena of addiction has gone is before uh, I was an adult child of an alcoholic. So my mom started um, drinking in the late 70s, early 80s, and it was so taboo. She was in one of the first interventions. Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, advanced at all these years, 40 plus years, and people talk about it more, and there's more help, and there's more success stories, and there's more help for the caregivers as well, which 
I find beautiful. Mm -hmm. Before, in you know, when we were first going through it, don't say anything to anybody. Right, the taboo. The There's taboo shame. and the shame. And now it's, how can we help you? Mm -hmm. And the understanding has exponentially increased. I mm -hmm. love that. Oh, go oh, ahead, Teresa. Um, no, as you speak about it and you're talking to someone and they them relating to you, it just it it gives you some sort of peace and mm -hmm. knowing that I'm not alone. Right. I'm not alone in this. And I can remember my mom going through it with my my dad, and she felt so isolated. Mm -hmm. And so when she finally came to us kids, who she thought we didn't know what was going on, and said we need to do an intervention, um, I go, "Really, mom? I, I, you know, you're being bold." And she said, "I love this man." Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it, it breaks your heart, but yeah. when you're going through it and you can go through it together. Yeah, you really do separate the behavior and the addiction from the person. You love the person and you're su you suffer with them through mm -hmm. the addiction and all the pain that that causes them. When I grew up, I had two brothers who used substances and, and they were um, just smoking weed, and, um, getting high, smoking cigarettes. They both were um, evicted from school. They both got kicked out of a private school for that. And... Um, we thought that they were the troublemakers. We just thought they were bad kids. Um, and those were kind of the kids at school, too. Remember when we were growing the up? Birds. There were, yeah, yeah we, everybody yeah. had, there were cliques and there and were different labels. groups and everybody had a label. And so they were labeled bad. And so one of the things I've learned now, and, and I think we've all experienced, we've talked about it, is these are fantastic people who've gotten trapped in something that's mm -hmm. just awful. And what they really need is prayer and they need God to help them get out of that. And I think they need what I love about where addiction has gone today. And in those first um, interventions with my mom, it was, um, you know, let's tell her how much this hurts us and all those things. And I think that's a component but what I've what I learned in, on her last intervention, and she had multiple, um, was it was the approach had changed. It was we love you. This is who God has made you to be. This is who we still see. Can we walk walk alongside and help you see the your true identity and stop listening to the lies? And I, so that's a whole different mm -hmm. approach than it was before, mm -hmm. which I um, I really appreciate that because that is the truth, and that's how we as caregivers felt exactly. Um, I have someone who's very close to me who's dealing with it right now. And, and when he's not in his, um, quite in his drunkenness, when mm -hmm. he's not, in, in, he, he tells me, I don't want to be that way. No. I don't want to. It's, you know, it's, I feel like it's not a choice. And as a caretaker, like you said, Rosie, how do you, how do you deal with that? Mm -hmm. And what are we supposed to do with that other than feel, um, I don't know, the pain that they're feeling. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. The other part that's different now is there's so much um, mental health that goes along with addiction. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. we work with, we've got 750 people in our programs on any given day, and none of them wanted to be there. I mean, they if you talk to them about how they got started, it was anxiety or depression or, you know, really bad uh, place, uh, just circumstances and disadvantaged in their life. And so they were coping and and it's become their coping skill and yeah. when they want to change that coping skill they need help they absolutely need help treatment um, mental health support counseling to get out of it because they need to learn a completely new way of life right and it could have stemmed from one bad choice we're all just one bad choice away from it mm -hmm. yeah you no know, it makes it real well and i think before even that choice comes we accept the lies of the enemy at some yeah. point the mental we have listened to that we are not enough in some way, shape, or form from the enemy, and we've gone away from what God tells us. Mm -hmm. And that's why the return to who we are comes through Christ. He is our deliverer. And when 
you know, he's so much a part of that sobriety. And, I, and I'll say sobriety over so many topics now, screens, um, a, drugs, alcohol, pornography. There's so many things, exercise. There's people, you know, uh, food. There's so many things that addiction has broadened into mm-hmm. that people are going to for solace because they're hurt inside. Mm-hmm. Right. And it really truly comes down to what, what, who am I in the Lord and do I believe him that he loves me? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and when you can I get to enough. that, yeah. And when I, you can get to that root, that's when the healing starts. Yeah. I love it that you talked about that. There was a, um, a client recently that was speaking and I was um, listening to him and he started off his testimony basically by saying, you're not good enough. You don't belong here. You don't fit in. And then he went on to say, these are the lies that have been playing in his head over and over and over. And he's had to train himself to every time he hears them now, he stops and recognizes that this is not from Christ. Jesus, this is not from mm-hmm. you. And that's what he tells himself to kind of just stop in, in his tracks and kind of rewire what he's even feeling and dealing with at the moment. I love that story. I think that's something I, I like to hold on to. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a little break. Uh, we're enjoying the beautiful and amazing Queens of the Roundtable today. And I, I just want to say thank you, ladies, for being here and being so amazing. And I'll do my very best to stay out of the way. The <laughs> I was going to say, Bill, we just kind of took over that <laughs> bit right there. I'm so you know sorry what? we didn't even look at you. I'm okay with that. I left and went and got coffee. They didn't even know I was gone. <laughs> That's the part that scares me the most. We'll take a short break and be right back. Listening to Bill Arnold's Encore presentation, Faith, Hope, and Clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome back to the show. I'm enjoying the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable today. We've got uh, Mary, Teresa, and Rosie. And uh, ladies, let me ask you this What does peace uh, look like in the midst of difficulty? What, uh, what zaps your joy and your peace? Now, this is something we were talking about the other day. We, we started actually by talking about joy, and we got into a conversation about how do you define joy? And it's kind of different for different people. Uh, I, th- I think it's probably different for everybody. Um, I, one just really um, important example for me right now is my, my mother-in-law has dementia, and she's in a memory facility near my home, and we go visit her you know, pretty much every day. And I was there on Saturday and I was curling her hair. She's 94. And I was curling her hair and talking to her. And I was thinking about our conversation about joy and peace and contentment. And what does all that mean? And I asked her, and and she's sitting here alone. And she's lost her husband. She's lost a son. She has dementia. And I asked her, I said, what what makes you feel joyful? And she said, well, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my life. And I just thought, you know, that's really it, right? If you are content with what you have, regardless of what you've had or what you've lost or what you wish you had, she, in the moment, with me just sitting there running a comb through her hair and a curling iron, was happy. And she told me how content she was, and I just, I was so touched by that. It's a beautiful witness. And, you know, as soon as you asked that question, Bill, I thought, what's the antithesis of peace for me? And when I have been um, not at peace... And I've asked the Lord about that, like, Lord, why do I keep on stepping into worry or discontent or something along those lines? He always brings me back to what does peace go hand in hand with? Gratitude and trust. Mm -hmm. And so I have to do a a quick self-examination and say, well, if I am not at peace, 
what am I not grateful for and where is my trust? Is my trust in my own capacity to solve this problem or to bring joy into some situation? Or am I trusting that the Lord really has this in the midst of pain and suffering that you might be going through? So it's to me when I do not have the peace of the Lord that transcends all understanding, I'm usually in a foggy part of lack of gratitude and trust for myself. Yeah, um, I just find that where my peace is in that midst of turmoil, um, I need to step back and pause. It's been my, it was my word last year, to, <laughs> to, to pause. Pause at yellow lights. Don't go through the, don't yeah. go through the yellow lights. Um, but to pause and let God in um, and trust that he knows the next step. Because then I'll find just inner peace, knowing that he's directing traffic and I'm not. Mm. The other thing about um, where we started, you said peace, but we brought it quickly to joy. And you said what zaps your joy. And I think um, even just us talking about joy the other day, you know, you maybe it says women too. I'm just going to assume that it might be that sometimes I feel like I'm supposed to be happy and I'm supposed to be up. Mm -hmm. And I, I like sharing with people that that's just not a truth that that's false right and if we were always walking around always happy we wouldn't be authentic and so for me um, peace also comes with being around people who are authentic um, who can accept me and you know wherever I'm at and if I'm having a bad day they're like Mary's having a bad day it's not that I'm not joyful because they know that deep inside I I am joyful I'm joyful and I'm I'm a child of God and I know that Mm -hmm. it gives me a lot of peace Mm -hmm. I love it. And uh, let me ask you this: What do you find uh, like important today versus what you thought was like really important when you were in your twenties? Mm. I know for I can answer that immediately. I think in my twenties I was so set on, and the, and part of this my answer comes from who God built me to be. But I was so set on achievement that mm-hmm. I wanted to prove myself worthy that I wanted to climb those ladders that I that I wanted to taste every you know everything the world had to offer as a way of saying that I had lived my life in fullness and completeness and as I am 50 the answer is quite different the results might be the same but um I would love to have told myself enjoy all these things do it because these are wonderful things not because it gives you a pedigree but because we have this amazing experience and opportunity here, especially in the United States for women, that you get to explore who you are versus wanting to explore who you are for an end. But versus just exploring who you are, that's enough. And I love that about being 50, that I don't feel like I have to develop myself for some to obtain some goal, but I can discover who I am. And there's like a whole nother 50 years yeah. ahead yeah. to enjoy yeah. that. And uh, so that's what I think I love about 50. Yeah, I know when I was in my 20s, I really um, cared a lot about other people's opinions of me. And I don't think I was my true self. I think I put a mask on a lot. I wanted to, you know, be a pretty girl and a good girl and um, behavior. And as I've um, reached 50 plus, (laughs) (laughs) um, my filter has gone down a bit and I am not afraid of who I am. I embrace who I am. Um, if I'm in a, um, a room full of people, I'm not ashamed, as all of you know, right. that um, I can just speak out and I can speak my truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. 
be much more comfortable with myself. Mm -hmm. And I think people like me. Uh, People do (laughs) like you. We like you, Teresa. We happen to actually love you, (laughs) Teresa. You're awesome. You know, I like what you said about wearing a mask. I, I know that I did that too. I'm not even sure I was always aware of it. I think I think that was so uh, almost programmatic for me. I just had to be a certain way and and act a certain way and and I think you're right too, Rosie, with the achievement and that was absolutely really important to me. And I'm not really exactly sure when it shifted, but I you know I I think I've told you my story how I moved from the for-profit sector to nonprofit and and it kind of happened where I I just made VP at a former you know a company that yeah. I worked for and I remember being on the 24th floor and going I made it I I mean I literally I'm embarrassed to tell you this but I will I literally stood in my office and went I made it Corner I'm office. here I did this <laughs> and then almost as soon as I said the words out loud God started taking away the things mm. about that that I thought were so important until I got to a point where I remember I was driving to work and just in a, on a nice road and a nice car. And I was, as I got closer to work, I started to feel sick. And I would, I felt that way every day until I went home. And I finally told my husband at some point, um, I'm not where I'm supposed to be anymore. And in the meantime, we'd gone to church and I was hearing um, pastor's sermon and I was hearing um, just this voice almost kind of going, you're not doing what I want you to do. There's mm-hmm. more to life than making rich people richer. And um, I tried to ignore it. Typical Mary behavior. I tried to ignore it. Yeah. And, and people who I work with now laugh because they, they know. Um, but I eventually had to listen because I had no choice. And, and I think that uh, I understand now what a calling was. People used to tell me I felt called to do something. I never knew what that meant. Mm. Um, but that's what got me out of the for-profit world into a world um, doing good for other people and part of a ministry. And uh, I've never been so fulfilled. And so I, I don't think I would have been in this place 10, 15 years ago. And I'm just grateful. grateful. Don't, you, don't you think a lot of it has to do that now we're listening to the Lord? We're listening to the, the little whispers. And in my 20s, I thought it was all about me and my mindset and my pathway. And now I know it's not. Right. You know, the great reveal. That's the wisdom. That is That's the, the wisdom. wisdom that comes with every year. I love it. So I have three wise Christian women here in my studio. So it's, guys, listen up here because I'm going to ask a big question. Are there questions that men should never ask a woman? Yes. Why do you have so many shoes? (laughs) Right there. Yeah. My Um, question would be, are you going to eat that? (laughs) (laughs) I know along the same lane. I get the, um, do I have to go? And my eyes get big and I'm like, I can't believe you're even asking that question because you know the answer. Uh, so yeah. men shouldn't. No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No. How about how about this one? Well, what do you want me to do? Oh my goodness, that one, you know, flames. I'm a redhead anyway, but that just flames come out of my ears. Like, what do you mean? What do I want you to do? Like, you should know, like, what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. We'll pick this up on the other side of the break. We are listening to the beautiful and amazing queens of the roundtable. We've got Rosie, Teresa, and Mary in studio. And we would be open to uh, fielding a question of yours, if you like, 877-933-2484. That's a text only, 877-933-2484. Otherwise, I got a bunch of questions for him. We'll be back in a minute.
listening to Bill Arnold's Encore presentation, Faith, Hope, and Clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome back to the show. We weren't gone long, were we? Got the beautiful and amazing queens of the roundtable <laughs> here in studio, Rosie, Teresa, and Mary. And I said, uh, let us know what a question might be. And boy, we're getting some. Okay, here's one. If you could pick only one thing, what attracted you to your husband? I got a good one. Um, it hit the top of my list, and he came through at 100%. Um, it's his humor. Okay. And not like I think he's funny all the time, but at least he does. <laughs> so, and, and I can laugh at that. But, um, yeah, most of the time he is. But yeah, humor. It was um, something that Gary had told me when we had met. He had told me how he um, he's an electrical engineer, and he's the first college graduate in both sides of his family. And he told me the story of him getting his uh, degree at a card table between two beds and pushing through and not understanding what college uh, was because he didn't have anybody who went before him. And he was telling me that story, and I went, this man has perseverance. Mm-hmm. This man is not afraid to try Love, I mean, I love that from the moment go. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I, I uh, my husband made me laugh. He, he made me laugh, but then I know we only get one, but I'm taking a second when I'm <laughs> attaching <laughs> to that. Because I can't. I am. I find that I'm a rebel. I, yes. I've already <laughs> said that. The other thing is that he's as strong as I am. So um, I, I, I'm a strong, independent person, and I want to be with somebody who is strong and, and both appreciates that in me and, and is equal to me in that so that I don't accidentally run him over. That's yeah. not my intention, but I, I've had a history of yeah. running people over, not on purpose. So Yeah, I have a strong voice as well, and um, he does too. So we do well, respectfully together, mm-hmm. um, but you don't need to be quiet in our relationship. Hi, guys. Do I have time to tell a funny story? Yeah, of course. So second date with Gary, um, I want a Canadian bacon and pineapple on my pizza. And I'm Ooh, thinking second. That sounds so good. Okay, thank you, <laughs> Bill. I'm serious. Like, so second date. Call the pizza place. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's oh, a, my It's gosh. a great combination. Oh, yeah. Not, Gary doesn't think so. So second date, he's like, uh, no, I don't want to get that. And I went, wait a minute. You should still be trying to impress me, right? And we had this battle on our second date for about 15 minutes. And I finally said, wait a minute. Gary, you know, you should, like, don't you want to impress me? And he goes, why would you want me to eat something I don't like? And I went, ooh, I like you. (laughs) (laughs) I never had score two. I just was like, (laughs) no one had ever taken me on before. And it was fantastically attractive. Yeah. Yeah. Because he took you on. He took me on. Interesting. And he he didn't just say, no, I don't want it. He said, why would you want me to eat something I don't like? He made you think about it. He made me think about it. And I went... Well, let's do half and half, you know, so. Yeah, I think it's interesting that all three of us have said attributes mm-hmm. of um, men. To change that around, Bill. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Come on. silent. What? <laughs> From a man's perspective. What, what's the question? What, what is that? What, what do you find attractive in? A female. Like, in the female. Uh, where do I begin? What's the, what's the number <laughs> one? You get one thing. You, you get, get one, one thing. thing. Like, we only got one thing. We eat, Wait a minute. Each it's my show. Two. I ask the question. <laughs> Not really. I'm glad you still think so, though. Yeah. All right, good. Let's move on. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about girlfriends. Because mm-hmm. women have girlfriends, and some mm-hmm. have a few, and some have none, and some need some, and some have a lot. So do you trust every girlfriend at the same level? Um, I can take all? this one. No, yeah. no. We, you know, we, we had a conversation the other day about this and we were talking about, you know, 
who who we tap into for different things that we have. And I, I've come to realize that there are different people that I will call at different times in my life. There are some people I won't call when I when I feel really vulnerable and I kind of want to hide. And they, they've actually come to know that. If, if I go disappearing, they know that there's something going on. And, and some people will reach out and some people will just respect that I'll pop my head up again when I'm ready to. But um, specifically in sharing things with people that I feel really either really personal, they feel really personal or I'm really excited about or something, those things I tend to hold very dear to myself. And I really only want to share them with people who will accept it and share that with me in the, in the way that I want to. And and you, we can all probably think of an example of, of talking to somebody about something that's really important to you. This happened to me. And then they take this, they take the topic and they run away with it. And they start talking about different examples or, oh, when that happened to me, instead of being there with you in the moment. So I've, I've, come to understand that about myself that I'm just really careful who I share what with and and I have a lot of friends I would say but I've got a close um, tight-knit group of people who I truly truly trust yeah I have five high school girlfriends and um, we get together at least twice a year we pick up exactly where we left off if something has happened in between that time and they we haven't talked about it there's a great sense of security knowing that um, they're going to respect me, whether it was a bad choice or a good choice, so whether it was a joyful moment or not. And um, they keep the focus. If I'm speaking about something and everyone gets their time as we go around the round table, um, they keep the focus on me, like mm-hmm. you said, Mary. So it's not, oh, yeah, I experienced that. And once in a while, you do want people to have empathy and, um, and shared experience. But it's just so... Um, it's nice to know that there's women that are always going to be there for me. Mm-hmm. They're going to respect where I'm at. They're going to give their opinions mm-hmm. when needed. Um, yeah, I, I feel very val- valued that I have that. And I think it's almost just as as there is a chemistry between men and women, you know, your husbands. There's also a chemistry in girlfriends. And and where where it comes from, I don't actually know. But I know that there's, there are certain girlfriends that I feel safe with and maybe I feel safe with them because I've noticed that they don't gossip about other people. They don't tell me other women's secrets. You know, I don't know what I'm sensing, but I know that there, I have a very tight group of friends that I feel safe with. And, um, we just had a grad party for Alec, um, my youngest and there's two, my two girlfriends came and they helped in the kitchen and my sister came up to me and she was like, you must really trust these two women because they were behind the scenes. They saw my house messy. They saw me not ready. (laughs) I was able to say, you know what, seriously, I just need to go curl my hair. Can you do this, this, and this? That's that felt safe to me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Mary Jo, you know me so well. Mm-hmm. But Those, they love they love you where you're at. They love me, yeah. And yeah. I know that they're not drawing a conclusion like she should have had all this done. You know, I I feel safe with them. Yeah. Not only are they not drawing that conclusion, they it doesn't even cross their mind, right? Right, because they're they're focused on your joy that day for your son, right? Yeah. Right. There's a question from a listener. I've gotten myself into a snare at work due to gossip and complaining with a coworker. I'm convicted and I want this to stop, but don't know how to do it because the coworker knows I've already engaged in it. How do I pull out of this and show them I'm no longer willing to engage in this sinful behavior? Mm-hmm. Ladies? Mm-hmm. I think um, honesty and truthfulness. Um, I, uh, and, and telling them right to their face. So you're not going around them to, to tell someone else, you know, so-and-so is saying this and I feel really uncomfortable going right to them and saying, you know what, 
I really appreciate who you are. I know that you love on people, but when you say this or when you do this, not only is it hurtful, but it's not making me feel good. I know you're better than that, so you can lift people up. And hopefully they they see that within that, they see that you are acceptance of who they are, and you're not judging them so that they may not judge others. I believe so wholeheartedly in what what you said, Teresa, and and I believe that intent matters so much. So if if you're, if this uh, person is uh, truly um, wanting to change your behavior and if they feel truly bad about it, and um, I think going to somebody and having the courage to go to somebody and say, you know, I did this and you know I did this and I just want to own it. I screwed up. I screwed up. Will you forgive me? Uh, I, I'm committed to not doing this anymore, but I just need to own it. And that's going to be a hard conversation, and you're going to feel free. You're going to love it the way you feel the second the words come out of your mouth. And you can't control what the other person says or how they react to what you are saying, but all you can control is what your intent is and having the courage to speak it. And I just want to encourage the caller, or who, if they emailed or not, Um, that the Lord is doing a work in you. The fact that you heard the conviction, the fact that you want to step out of this, he's removing a beast off your field, lest you be overtaken. And that's a beautiful thing. You're in transformation with the Lord. Uh, You're getting an upgrade. You know, you're getting a spiritual Mm -hmm. upgrade and they never feel good, but congratulations. And I'm I'm happy for you that you're listening to the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. Amen. There's another question. Ladies, we recently discovered our 19-year-old daughter has become sexually active with a boy she barely knows. We discovered photos of her in very compromising mm-hmm. situations. She was raised in a very loving Christian home, and she is a believer. She has never displayed any rebellious behavior, but has struggled with her self-esteem. We are heartbroken, and we are trying to help her recognize the lies of the devil. She is believing. We are grieving for her and praying for her. How can we best help her? Mm-hmm. That's a hard one. It is a hard one, and I have to go to Scripture with that. We all have children that are um, adults and could possibly be in that same sort of scenario. Uh, I think it's interesting that parents think that they know everything that their kids are going through. Right. So um, the Scripture that God has brought to my mind often is helps me so much when I, if I've discovered something the boys have done or if they've shared with me that's less than what I would have for them. Acts 16.31. I think the first thing that you do is get on your knees and give these children, give her to the Lord. And it says, for those who depend upon the Lord, thine and thy house shall be saved. And to remind her that God's mercies are new each day, who she is in Christ, um, condemnation and shame. There are She's already probably feeling enough shame. I mean, mm-hmm. what girl would like her parents to figure that, find that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's instant shame, right? Because, and the enemy's right there to make her feel bad about herself because right. mm-hmm. she hasn't stood up to what she's been raised under. But none of us do. You know, we are all fall short of, of the glory of God, and yet he forgives us. And so for her parents to model that and to get on their knees and get some scripture around her, that speaks to who she really is as, a, you know, as the enemy's trying to take that identity away from her. Yeah, that's good, Rosie. Yeah, it's it's a process too, right? It's mm-hmm. not that's not something that's just going to go away. Right. And and what they said about self esteem, I think, is is really the critical thing there too, because, um, you know, whether it's addiction or something like that, I'm just thinking, you know, it's, uh, the way you handle that, I think, is with love, mm-hmm. and and to love, love, love that girl, and um, the more she sees that that love is really true, and that you you separate the person 
from the behavior and you love the person and you're concerned about the behavior. And that's really the conversation. We're so concerned about this. Um, and gosh, I hope that she gets some some counseling too, if it's a self esteem thing, because that that's just a real hard thing to come overcome. It, but that's um, a lot of girls are dealing with that, right? It's everywhere. It's in the media. It's it's everywhere. Um, well, a lot of self esteem issues. And, and I think as parents today, we have to understand that we did not navigate social media and the opportunities and the vehicles these kids have to be exposed to evil, right? And so we have to have some comprehension of the temptations they're under because we did not face them. Gary and I were laughing uh, with um, Bennett and Alec the other night that when we met, we didn't even have cell phones. Right. You know, like, <laughs> like this is all new and then texting. You know, I remember all these new steps. So truly as adults and as parents, we don't understand, but we, we have the power of the Lord behind us and we can pray through, but they're under a lot of stress mm-hmm. and, and temptation. And also, I think as parents, we can disclose that um, we're not perfect. Right. And we've, we've um, made choices mm-hmm. um, that are not becoming. And we also have a choice to change our way and to take a left turn instead of a right and to not feel condemned by that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it does not define you. It no. was a moment. It, was, it doesn't define you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, we're going to go to break. Rosie, your middle name? Anne. Anne. Teresa? Um, Bursette took my maiden name. Okay. And Mary? Lorraine. Lorraine. Awesome. There we go. (laughs) Is Lorraine a family name? My mother's name. Yep. Fantastic. You're listening to the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, one more segment. If you've got a question, let us know what it is. We'll do our best to tackle it. 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Be right back. listening to Bill Arnold's Encore presentation, Faith, Hope, and Clarity, in a special repeat performance. Welcome back to the show. I am enjoying the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable in my studio, Rosie, Teresa, and Mary. And, you know, we were talking about praying. We, we, prayer moves mountains, right? It yes, does. Mm-hmm. It All does. right. So what's a praying mom? What does a praying mom look like? So uh, when I first came to the Lord, my kids were three and just born. And one of the first verses the Lord brought me was Genesis 3.15. And it's, I shall put anonymity between you and uh, women, between this, your seed and her seed. And on the verse goes. And I, and I knew that that was about Jesus, but I also knew that the Lord was giving me a message that my love for these two boys is going to be a coming against the enemy and that he's given me a natural, biblical, rooted desire to pray for them in a way that I, I believe Gary prays too, but scripture says there will be anonymity between the woman and you. And so I took that as, ooh, I've got my marching orders. I'm going to pray for my boys in a way that is warrior-like. So to me, it's claiming scripture. It's telling the enemy he does not have them. It's speaking into being what is not yet. You know, I might be seeing horrible behavior but I know who they are in Christ. I know their identity, and that's what I speak about when I see something that's not good. You know, my son is kind, you know, yeah. and I just keep on reminding the enemy of who my boys are under the throne of Jesus Christ. And I pray for the um, prayer of protection mm-hmm. around them because I know the world um, 
is throwing arrows at them. They all love the Lord. Praise God on that. But I'm praying for that protection, that they know that they are loved by Jesus and that they um, can make good choices um, and then they can walk in the pathway that God has for them. Um, Just to lift up their names to the Lord. I love them, Lord. I know that you love them. They, two of them live in Texas and one lives here. Um, So I'm not with them, my two older daughters, um, but I know the Lord is. So I just said, you know what, you've got them. You know what they're going through. Be there with them. Let them know that I am here and um, and love them. And I know that they can feel me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I, that's very true, what you just said. And as the kids have gotten older, um, the prayer is, is always for them, but it's also for me to let go. And, and even today, I was, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. I know that sounds so funny, but I love that as a prayer because... Jesus, take the wheel. I just need to ride shotgun here. I, I don't have control of it. It's very, very clear. It's not my, my will or my timing. Um, it's your will and your timing. And I just, I need to pray into that and, um, and just recognize that it's not, I don't get to control it. So, but I can pray into it and I can try to lay concern, even with my son overseas, I can lay that concern at Jesus' feet. And I find myself having to do that a lot. I found some affirmation out of um, being a mother who prays for her children and whose daughters are prayerful that um, my oldest daughter's just turned 30 and has two um, younger daughters. And Lennon, who just turned six, was a prayer warrior at the age of three. So she was, um, when when they read the Bible to her twice a day at nap time and at night, she was just absorbing, absorbing it all. So by the time that she could read, which she does now, and memorize verses. So in kindergarten, she was memorizing the verse that she was going to pray with at lunchtime. And it was a public school. She'd gone to, um, <laughs> she'd gone to um, a, a biblical uh, preschool. So she was just thinking, everybody loves the Lord. Everybody knows the Lord. So <laughs> I'm just going to pray at lunch. Mm-hmm. And I've got this verse memorized. And I, I just, as a grandparent, <laughs> I'm going, you know what? Thank the Lord that we're raising children like this. But as a mother, for my daughter and what she's doing, I'm going, you got it, Taylor. Good job. <laughs> Way to go. So how do you do when you feel like there's crisis in your life? Do you, was your prayer life, does it change? Do, do you worry? Uh, how do you deal, deal with prayer when you feel like you're under attack? You know, I can uh, start this one off a little bit. We were, uh, This is a great question we were talking about the other day, too. So... Um, I'm kind of new to thinking about being under attack. Um, it's probably just been a few years since I've really been aware of that, even as a concept. And then once you're aware of it, you're, you're very aware of it. And I can't unlearn that, right? So a few years ago um, for uh, Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge, we were having our Christmas concert fundraiser. It's a pretty significant fundraiser for us. We went, we had about 7,500 people coming to Grace Church in Eden Prairie. And um, it was happening on a Saturday night and on Monday, um, somebody who was very involved in that long-term employee uh, relapsed after many years in recovery. That was one thing that happened. On Wednesday night, our choir director got strep throat. And then on Thursday, there were all kinds of severe weather warnings. We had people coming into the city. Our artist was coming into the city. It was like 30 below. And uh, Lynette Sherber, who's uh, the wife of our, our CEO, called me at home. And Lynette never calls me at home. So she <laughs> just, I mean, something was moving her. And she, she called me. And uh, she just said, how are you doing? Because it was a really tough week. 
And um, and I, I said, well, I'm just kind of trying to hold it together here, Lynette. Yeah. And she said, you know, uh, when, when we were on the mission field, I learned that um, when things happen like this and they are, they're all in a row and we're under attack, we have to pray differently, Mary. And I said, well, what do you do? And so she said, well, let me lead you in prayer now. And so she did. And the prayer was all about, um, you know, Christ, you must be doing something wonderful, something so glorious, and that's going to honor you and praise you is coming. And, and, you know, evil doesn't want that to happen. The enemy doesn't want that to happen. And so, Lord, we just trust you. And you pray ahead of the crisis. And so that's what she taught me how to do. And, and it was really a beautiful moment. And I, I hang on to that a lot. I've learned so much from that wonderful woman. Yeah. Uh, but can you imagine? Just pray, pray ahead of it. And, and it works. And God is so good. Rosie, you have a saying? I do have a saying. It's called, I don't receive it. And so I believe in the, <laughs> I just don't. You know, <laughs> so the enemy, it, it is. And uh, Bennett always teases me that on my tombstone, he's going to put, she didn't receive it. <laughs> and um, because, you know, we're quick to speak of things that are going to happen over each other. We don't even know what we're doing, but the enemy is quick to use all of us. And often we Christians say, well, oh, you're going to do good. You're going to be under attack. Well, our shield of faith says, raise your shield of faith and repel the fiery arrows of Satan, who the Lord loves our faith. He doesn't love our deeds or anything that we think that we're doing for him. He loves our faith. And Psalm 91 is all about his protection. So when things get tough, when I'm under attack, I remember, Lord, I'm not receiving this because you are ahead of me. You are behind me. I know what my physical eyes see, but my spiritual sight sees something so different. So instead of petition bill, I move to de- declaration, mm-hmm. which is this is who my God is. This is what my scripture says. So I am big on scripture, like because you don't feel it. You yeah. know, when you're under attack, you could be weeping and you could feel broken. Open up scripture mm-hmm. when you don't, when you can't stand. Call a girlfriend. Have her talk about scripture. Get God's promises out. The enemy hates it, mm-hmm. and so just get them out ahead of you. So. That's our only weapon God gave us. It's the only weapon he used against the enemy was the word of God. I even think that even if you don't have scripture at hand and you're in the crisis and you don't know what to do, just by saying the words, Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. thank you for loving me. Thank you for taking me. I know you've got this. Jesus, Mm -hmm. Jesus, the enemy hates the word, runs from the word. Yeah. Right. I figured on my tombstone, it'll say, (laughs) ignored the advice. All right, uh, here's a question from a listener. Please ask uh, what they like best for gifts, such as Valentine's Day, birthday, and Christmas gifts from their husband slash boyfriend. In your case, it'd be husbands. Wow. So um, I think any gift is good, especially when it comes from the heart. But Gary always blesses me when it's something that he might have heard me say. And it can be months. Like, does a man have a notebook? I don't even know. But um, it could be months ahead of time, and he shows up with it, and he says, I remember when you said this. Oh, my gosh. It's mm-hmm. the, I remember what you when you said this. That was the gift. Yeah. Forget what the <laughs> was, forget was in the package. You were listening. Right. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably listening going, okay, I'll get her a pack of gum. <laughs> you know, I remember when you said you wanted gum. Yeah. <laughs> um, mine was just recently for um, Valentine's Day. My husband doesn't believe in Valentine's Day. Yeah. So I knew that. Um, but up on the counter, midday, there were white tulips. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not a rose person. I'm not a red rose person, definitely. But white tulips, the simplicity of it. And he heard me. And he, even though he didn't believe, he believes in our love 
And he knew that that would touch my heart. So, mm. yeah, good like job, that. Tom. I like that. Uh, my husband doesn't like to conform to holidays, and, and that's okay. <laughs> but, so um, I like gifts from him that come when he's not doing it because he has to and expects, to, you know, that I expect it. Right. And you talked about love languages earlier, uh, mm-hmm. Rosie, and uh, his love language is um, just acts of kindness, I think is what it is. Acts of service. Acts of service. Oh. So I'll come home and he'll quickly change out my, uh, you know, mats in my car. That's an act of service. I mean, he does stuff like that for me all the time. And I love that he does that. I think it's so thoughtful and it's just sweet little everyday things. And that means more to me than him you know, blessing me with a gift on, on a day when I might expect it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't expect my tulips. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. So it sounds like the bottom line is, guys, listen. Listen. Right. And then jot those things down in your memory, and then you can have a great gift idea at some point. Women, we're so easy. We are just so easy. Tell us you love us. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us you listened. And just, you know, it's, I think the world has said it has to be, you know, a Tiffany box. And I don't know many women that feel like that, to oh, be very honest. I like honest. that blue box. No. I you like <laughs> that blue box. Sorry. <laughs> I liked car mats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That wraps up our uh, time with the uh, beautiful and amazing queens of the roundtable. Ladies, thank you so much for coming in studio and being part of this. And Rosie and Teresa and Mary, thank you so much. You've been great. Thanks so much. Thank fun. That wraps up our show. If you missed any of today's episode, you can always head over to MyFaithRadio.com and check it out. Go to the Afternoons with Bill webpage and it'll all be there. As you lay your head on the pillow tonight, know that God is working out his great plan in your life. Good night. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.